Miss Noel, uh, I know you're not the type to make things up, but I was up on that bridge and, well, there's no blood, no sign of a struggle. Are you sure you saw this? How many times do I have to tell you? Well, my men have been out here since daybreak. They've spoken to a lot of people, including the gallery manager here, and uh, no one else saw anything. I did. Welcome to Highlander Rewatch, the podcast where every week we watch another episode of Highlander and discuss it in detail. I'm one of your hosts. I'm Keith. Kyle. Eamon. All right. And to start things off today, we're going to do a little bit of reader mail. Uh, we got this letter from Christoph V. Um, and this is a, an interesting fact about actually the pilot episode, The Gathering, um, which stars Slan Quince. Quince? Slan Quince. Uh, and Slam the cat. Slam the cat. And Some wags call him that. <laughs> yep. Uh, so in the scene where he is about to kill, like he's got the the blade up to Tess's neck. Right. Um, according to Christoph in France, the subtitles for this are actually not what he said. They like redid the story a little bit. Huh. And so Slan uh, claims to have killed Duncan's former wife Kahani. Wow. In this. So, like, the stakes are kind of raised. And it does give them a pass together, because we were wondering that. It's like, why does Slant, like, why is he after Duncan? All that sort of stuff. Yeah. And so this new French translation, like, has actually added some stuff to the story. It's not even a French translation. It's French subtitles, I guess, have interjected this. Huh. That's so pretty, that was pretty cool. cool. Yeah. Hmm. So, welcome to episode number 12. This episode title is Eyewitness. It first aired Saturday, February 6, 1993. The director of this episode was Ray Austin. We've seen him a couple times mm -hmm. recently. He's done, of course, all those Zorro episodes. Um, and recently we saw two of his episodes, which were Deadly Medicine and Revenge's Suite. Um, this was written by David Tynan. Uh, he's done a ton of Highlander. I think he's done like, I don't know, 30 episodes. It's like a shit ton of episodes. Wow. Um, he did The Sea Witch, and he also did Silk Stockings. Very good. Uh, <laughs> Um, our guest stars are, well, I guess Amanda Weiss. We, I don't know if we can count her as a guest star, but she's yeah. back again. Oh, goody. Uh, and then Tom Butler's is Andrew Bolin. This guy's like another one of those. Like, he's in everything. He's yeah. all over the place. X-Files, Stargate, Supernatural. He's got like 140 credits on IMDb. So. Fifty Shades of Grey. Fifty Shades of Grey more recently. Mm, snakes on a Plane. Ooh. There we go. Motherfucking snakes. And then uh, Tim Reed is back as Sergeant Sister Sister. Uh, Bennett. Sergeant, Sergeant. Sergeant, Sergeant. <laughs> Sergeant, Sergeant. <laughs> Sergeant. Uh, the IMDb episode description for this one is, Tessa witnesses the murder of a woman she met at an art exhibition, but the police don't believe her. She and Duncan take it upon themselves to investigate. Mm. Short and sweet. Not like that last one. Yeah, so the episode starts with a very, very long scene that is played for big laughs. Richie rolls up in a Mercedes convertible 
and we get to see three minutes of him failing to parallel park. Yeah. <laughs> it's just parallel parking. And yeah. also, there's this horrible music playing yeah. through this, like, and it's like weird, like jokey. It sounds like it's, I, it's like I don't know the bass. It's awful. I was waiting for just yakety sax to start playing in yeah. the middle of this sequence. So. Richie's also just a scumbag because first off, he fails to parallel park and then just leaves his car planted sideways and just like looks at himself like, yeah, good job, Richie. And then he doesn't have money, so he puts a (laughs) fake out of order sign on the parking meter. Yeah. And some couple walks by and they're like, what is this guy doing? (laughs) Yeah, the whole thing. He's also just wearing this ridiculous outfit. It's like a maroon suit and this the whole flower vest. Yeah. The whole thing is just played way up. It looks like it's a good cold open for the episode. It's like, all right, like we're in it now. But it's yeah. so I'm long. invested. <laughs> he's like he's like parking his car for like four minutes. <laughs> is there any other reason you tune into Highlander every every Saturday afternoon? There can be only one parking space. <laughs> <laughs> um so he is going to Tess's art show. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what that's why he's parking. Um, and it's uh, the, the title is Tessa Noel Recent Works. That's the the art show. <laughs> well, her her star is rising now that she's had a donut in the park. And <laughs> yeah, and, she's, and, and presumably and, maybe at the the, the at, metro at stadium. municipal stadium. Yeah, in see no evil. <laughs> so Richie has arrived at Tessa's art show, and the first thing he does, he walks in, and there's just like a, a mirror, st- a mirror, just yeah, lonely, just standing there. It's just like just leaning against out. the wall in front of the guest book. Yeah. yeah, so he walks in. He's like, "I'm one sharp dude," and he's just like checking himself out. It's like, "Okay, Richie," and she's like, "Why don't you stop checking yourself up out <laughs> and sign the address book or the what is it called guest book? Guest book. <laughs> Aren't you an book. artist? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It depends on who you ask. Uh, so Richie checks himself out. He's one sharp dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tess is like, "Oh, sign the guest book." So then we get to kind of like take in the art show. Yep. What a treat. <laughs> so so I'm beautiful. not sure what is her art and what is not in this gallery. Like yeah. what's being featured cuz she has like I guess at this point we've established Tess has an art style which is like foam spray painted foam, <laughs> foam like sculptures and so there's like just this like a metal zigzag bullshit thing. Yep. And, but then there's other it's stuff. It's called bacon and flight. Bacon yeah. and flight. <laughs> uh, then there's like other the the weirdest one I took note of. There's this painting that looks like uh, like Sunday afternoon on on the island by like Sarah, and it's like it's got that sort of like picturesque like people in a park hanging out but it's just like shirtless dudes that are like hunky like they're all just like we got muscles and they we were in our bathing suits that's, yeah that's the that painting. was that was eye-catching it was like, you definitely noticed that and i guess that seems like that's something she could paint because she's with dunk like i don't know but she's not a painter like that's what i was confused about like that's I, not all her work is it i hope i don't know yeah. I, I don't know we are then treated to Richie hitting on a woman. Oh, oh man. And I don't know what fueled the decision, but we don't ever actually get to see it. Richie's just kind of running like a relay race. Like, help me talk about art, Tess. So, like, the exchange she has with Tess is actually kind of funny. Yeah, because he's like, I'm an idiot. Like, I can't talk to her about art. Like, I'm scared. Like, so she gives him, like, pointers. And so she goes or he goes and talks to the, the, this this woman and like is hitting it off with her yeah the thing when Richie comes in this art oh. gallery he looks around at the women and says i think i could get used to this <laughs> as he's leering at women <laughs> oh so he comes back 
to Tess, and he's like, I don't know what like this this woman's talking about. Like she's eating it up, but she's like talking about like texture and color, and she's comparing this painting to like the neoclassical school, and it's like, what the fuck, like. This woman's an idiot too. Like she, no wonder you're hitting it off because she's clearly an a moron. Because like, well, the painting is just splotches of color. It's a color study. That's like it's like it's an abstract color study thing. It's like blue, black, and gray. It's like I don't I don't find it offensive in any way. But that's what it is. But the fact that she's like, oh, I'm comparing this to the neoclassical, like. The neoclassical school is like Greek and Roman shit. That's like yeah, it's like it's emulating that style of stuff, and it's like what the like. Of course, this. Why would you compare the t- like? What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> I'm, I'm comparing this painting to a banana. What do it's you think? Absurd. Ugh. So Richie says like, oh, she's comparing this to like the the neoclassical thing. So he's like, well, what do I say? And Tess's response response is to say, well, it's definitely not neoclassical. <laughs> No shit, because it's a bunch of blobs. Uh, and then she's like, but it does have some abstract notions. Notions? It's a, it's a color study. It's just smudges of color. Like, again, I don't, I don't mean to say, like, I actually like this kind of art. Like, not to rag on this, but, like, she's like, it has abstract notions. Like, no shit. It, all it is is abstract. It's just a bunch of colors. <laughs> it's not even, like, there's no form or, fuck. Tess, do you even know what art is? No wonder he, your shit hang, looks the way it does. Hang on, but he's she's trying to feed him things to say. I think it works in terms but of that, like, but, oh, go go sound like you know anything. But he's supposed to be talking to a woman that knows something about art. But you've already proven we've already proven that she doesn't know anything either. The no, whole point yeah. is they like each other and this, they're just saying things to try to impress each other. I guess. But somehow this works and they end up leaving and they go to make out. Also, Richie in this scene, he... I was waiting for his heart to start popping out of his chest and his eyes to go, oh, that's the character he was playing. Like, he was like a wolf in one of those old cartoons. Also, their their little date, it's also like, this scene is like another three minutes of them just like walking around, going to get pizza, smooching. So the smooch happens i paused it at eight minutes and 32 seconds <laughs> and there is not a plot in sight <laughs> uh, so richie and this this mystery woman are on a date that lasts forever like it's a whole montage like oh this yeah. is gonna be interesting like new character maybe they go to al's pizza one of the things in this montage is they walk by like a beggar yeah <laughs> and he has his hat out he's begging for money and richie takes that <laughs> And he puts it on his head and dances around. And it's, like, gross. <laughs> and she's, like, amused by it. She's like, oh, Richie, like, you're crazy. It's like, what the fuck is happening? This, this is actually the subplot where Richie gets lice. Yeah. <laughs> Richie gets lice and spills the beggar's change all over the street by and putting his head and on. And steals from a homeless yeah. man. Yeah. Uh, also, he takes this art art woman date up to the pizza shop. Al's Pizza. And it's the longest date in history. It's really long. So back at the art show, for reasons unknown, this woman is very impressed with Tessa's art for some reason and wants to buy bacon in flight. Yeah, yep. so let's play this clip and we'll get to hear what a person who has no taste thinks of this art. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Morons. Pardon me? The only thing they care about is that it fits their damn patio. They don't sense the depth, the intensity, the experience. I'm not always so sure it's there. It's there. 
You'd have to be blind not to see it. This is a work of life, of openness. It's wonderful. Thank you. I'm tempted to buy it just so some idiot won't use it to decorate his bathroom. <sighs> his bathroom. This this art goes in. This art is belongs in a hotel lobby. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's the closet. This, or, the, or the lobby of a municipal stadium. <laughs> <laughs> Go state sports team. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the other thing. So this is Tess's artwork, and this person isn't saying they don't get the depth, they don't get the intensity. And Tess is like, I'm not sure those things are present in this. <laughs> right. <laughs> she like, she doesn't. She has no confidence. In yeah. Her way art. to sell I think yourself. Just, I think she's just being humble. That's too humble. In the previous episode, she's like, I don't know if I love it or hate it, but yeah, it's true. probably my best thing. It's I guess like... it's consistent. I don't know. <laughs> so they they kind of ha- seemingly have a connection. So Tess goes into the back of the gallery, and she's looking out the window, and she sees this woman she met on the bridge arguing with some dude. Then she's distracted, and she looks back, and he's alone on the bridge looking into the water. And she's convinced from this that... He, she must have been thrown off. Right. And she eventually gets the cops involved, but they don't believe her because there's no sign of anything. So she's kind of left to her own devices to kind of figure out what happened. Right. And they're kind of dicks about it. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. yeah. They, didn't, they don't need to be so mean. But for some reason, Bennett, S- Sergeant Sister Sister, Sergeant Sergeant, is just like, well, I don't think you're the sort to make this up. It's like, which is it? Do you think she's <laughs> drunk or do you think yeah. she's not the sort to make this up? I don't, yeah. I don't know. Tess relates this to Duncan. And Duncan's like, oh, don't worry. Bennett's a good cop. Uh-huh. Yeah. Duncan, who's been treating this cop like shit for, yeah. like, three episodes and who has, like, a long history of being distrustful of the police yeah. force, is all of a sudden like, ah, oh, ben- Bennett will find it. He's a good cop. Yeah. But, you know, who knows? Bennett has a full caseload chasing down people who vandalize Tess's art. So That's right. <laughs> So Richie has this idea. He's making like a sandwich during all of this. Yeah. Which is great in the background. So he has this idea like, oh, maybe this this woman signed the guest book. Like that's a, a clue. Like we can find out who she was. So Duncan is like, good idea. Tess is like, Tess go, Richie go with her. Like he he has no part in this. Like he's just like, you do it. Like he just barks orders at them. My guess is I think he like Richie leaves the sandwich. I think he just wanted the sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seeing the scene, it was a pretty good looking sandwich. Oh, it looked great. Uh, Richie knows how to do it. But also for having a good idea, there's like this moment of Richie has this good idea, and then there's like this moment of stunned silence, and their response to him is like kind of angry. <laughs> it's like, man, for a guy you're trying to compliment, you're being kind of dicks to him. <laughs> Good sandwich, Richie. Yeah. So they find out that at the gallery that they look up in the, the book, and this woman's name is Ann Wheeler. And Richie's like, perfect, let's tell the cops. And Tess is like, no. Like, I want to do this myself. And I'm not sure why. I don't know if it's the fact that she maybe distrusts them already, like, because they're distrusting yeah. her. So she's like, well, screw them. Like, yeah. they're, not gonna, they're not really going to take this seriously. Maybe she feels burned. And then, like, she's like, also, let's not tell Mac. Hmm. And, like, I want to handle this myself. And so I was kind of excited for that because I was like, oh, is this this is going to be a test centric episode? Like, good, because we talked about last episode probably should have been a test episode. And it's like, well, this one's going to be spoiler alert. It's not like Duncan gets involved shortly after because yeah. Tess can't handle it. So Tess and Richie are 
on the trail of this Ann Wheeler. So I guess they, they do some research and they go to this like old woman's house. Once again, we're at this house that I guess has been used like five times already. Yeah. They find out that this, this, this woman, Ann Wheeler, used to be a painter. Uh, they've moved around a bunch. Like every couple, like every couple years they move. They've only been in Vancouver for three months. Um, so she's new in town, uh, but she also like leaves for days sometimes. So mm-hmm. we're starting to get some backstory on like Ian Wheeler and the mysteries starting to unravel or I don't know. We're getting something. Uh, also the lighting in this scene is atrocious. <laughs> it is just like everything is pink and orange. Like, I don't know. If, I don't think they had any lights there and it was all just natural light. It was bad. So back at the antique store, Duncan gets his immortal spidey sense and, you know, grabs his katana and then goes back into Tessa's workshop using like a Scooby-Doo secret passage. There's like a fake wall that he's able to go through. And when he gets in there, he sees this this man and they, they seem kind of stunned to see each other. And Duncan issues his like normal challenge with a super thick Scottish accent. Um, so they, they start getting into it um, and they're like, who are you? He doesn't know. It's, it's the guy from the bridge. We know that as viewers. Um, and this guy ends up, like, dumping, like, some scaffolding and, like, wa- a box of wires on Duncan. Yeah, well, this fight, this fight's actually kind of fun, because this other guy who doesn't have his sword, the, he grabs, like, a pipe, and they fight. And kind of the, the fighting gimmick in this episode is Duncan using his katana to cut things in half. Because at some point, he, like, slices the pipe in half, and this guy manages to, like, dump some scaffolding on Duncan and, and blow. Uh, but it's kind of like a fun physical fight, like using the environment. It was pretty neat. Yeah. The, although brief. So Randy then shows up to the, <laughs> the antique store. Um, and I thought this was actually a fun scene. Like Duncan is explaining to a prospective customer the history of this shield. Oh, yeah. And he's there's bagpipe music playing. Yeah. And like he. Yeah. <laughs> and but Duncan's kind of like acting out this story, yeah. like how the shield was in battle. And I thought that was kind of fun because presumably either Duncan was there or Duncan knows someone that was like as Duncan as a man of old age has like the inside scoop on like the the real legend of this the shield. I thought it was a fun scene cuz it added something like some something extra to Duncan being an antique dealer. And it was and it was like a neat story about of course a heroic Scotsman cutting his way through an Englishman's shield. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Randy. Randy's there trying to figure out like the scoop on why Tessa's name was on a police report and she's asking Duncan all these questions. She's like basically accusing him of something. Yeah, I don't it's know what. weird. Yeah. So while Randy and Duncan are talking, uh, you can see this dude's head in the bottom corner uh. of the screen. His head's just like bouncing back and forth. So it's some sound guy. I don't know. He's in the shot. <laughs> it's classy. <laughs> what you don't do. What you is, don't do. Stick your head in the shot while we're arguing with girl reporter. Do 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 do. Uh, so Randy ends up like interviewing Tess a little bit and she's asking her like what the deal is with her and Tess gives her some answers and Randy's like it sounds like you really knew her and Tess is like maybe I do. This whole episode they're trying to draw some parallels between Tess and Ann Wheeler and I'm not sure what those parallels are and I'm not sure what Tess even thinks they are at this moment because Ann's like I used to be a painter and I'm not anymore so I'm not sure where Tess falls like what she's reflecting on what she's feeling like guilty about or worried about. Like, I don't know what's going on at this point. Well, I think in Wheeler's and Wheeler's commentary on, you know, bacon in flight or whatever, they, (laughs) they like experience some kind of 
they they seemingly have an emotional moment. Like Ann Wheeler seems to feel a certain kinship with Tess, which she responds to, and seems to indicate that they're of a kind. And I That's think we're true. supposed to think that Tessa has the same response and like genuinely they're feels kin- a connection, kindred spirits. Yeah, and yeah. as we as we learn the the man who Duncan fought and threw her off the bridge is immortal and they they're connected so like they're even more similar cuz they're both artists who are tied to you know these immortals who are part of a world they can never quite join they're and they have kind of opposite responses to the whole thing that's true so Randy offers to help Tess figure this mystery out because Tess says you only help out if it gets you airtime and Which Randy is true yeah but Randy Wants to prove her wrong, I guess. And meanwhile, Tess is wearing once again her Torok the Dinosaur. Yeah. Hunter <laughs> yes. I'm glad that made a comeback. <laughs> so that next we come to Bennett at the police station, and he is called into the chief's office. And then the chief turns around. Bum, and bum, who bum. is it? Chief Bad Guy. Yep. He's the, the guy on the bridge and was in the studio. What happened to Starsh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what happens to <laughs> Kaminsky the Kaminsky? Yeah. Kaminsky the Kaminsky. He was Commissioner Kaminsky. <laughs> yeah. What's going on? I don't know. Major transitions in the C. Coover police force. I mean, the, the, the turnover rate is very high. Very uh, high. Uh, so that's like the big reveal at this point, which I think is an interesting component to this, that the police chief is an immortal. Yeah. Or we don't know he's an immortal, actually, at this point, do we? We do, because we've already seen this guy. Duncan has fallen oh, that's in, right, the, that's right. uh, in the workshop. That's right. right. Um, so Duncan gives this whole speech to Tess, because he's, like, on the fence about believing her, I guess. And he's like, you know, believing and proving are two different things. And it's like, Duncan, all you do is you've had these hunches every yeah. episode yeah. that we just indulge like crazy. <laughs> right. And they're always right, surprisingly. Yeah. And like you never have proof for anything. And right. now he's giving Tess a bunch of shit yeah. about it. He's it's, like, oh, you gotta prove crazy. it. crazy. Well, and like he's right again of like, course. in this episode. Like I, this, this trend just pisses me off that he always just has a feeling and he ends up right. So Duncan tries to get them out of town. He's like, oh, there's like an antique show or auction. Like, I want you guys to go to a New York. And it turns out it's like, this is a ruse because he knows there's another immortal around. And they figure that out. Also, there's like a really funny, like, did anyone notice that he grabs Richie and like shoves him out of the way? No. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Richie is like cleaning stuff with a towel. And I can't tell if it's in the script or, I mean, it like, it works in the scene. When Duncan starts making like his speech, he grabs this towel and just shoves Stan Kirsch, like, way <laughs> out of the way. And my guess is just, like, he's in his shot big yeah. time. And it's like, hey, like, blocking, man. Like, get over <laughs> here. <laughs> just shoves Get over here. Get over here. Scorpion. Uh- <laughs> oh, and Duncan, Duncan mentions in this scene, he's like, you need to get out of the town. This is the time of the gathering. Which I thought that that was like stuck out to me because it's like they do not mention that much. I feel like that was in the gathering episode and they say that in free fall. I think he tells uh, Joan Jett like, well, the gathering is here and now. Yeah, that term does not get thrown around much in the show. And so it it showed up again. Yeah. So I'm sitting here wondering what that what that is all about, because they aren't really get they aren't gathering. Right. In one place. No, I guess Seacouver. Some are gathering. Well, yeah. I mean, people it, people are supposed to be drawn to a, a place, right? And in the in the movie, that's supposed to be New York. New York, right? But 
Well, we're not sure how many, how much people are. I mean, like, how long does it take? Like, you know, are there mini gatherings? Is it mini, is it like semi final? It's like, oh, do you survive your round robin to yeah. make it to the <laughs> gathering? In well, the big gathering in New York? Find how, out in March Madness. <laughs> how long has this police chief been the chief here? And with uh, all the involvement Duncan has been having with the police, it, like, blows my mind that <laughs> they haven't crossed paths at this point. Like, Duncan McLeod, who's been in all these police reports. But also, just side note about police reports. Randy... Side note about police <laughs> reports. <laughs> so... Randy finds out about Tessa's involvement to this case because she read the police report. What the fuck? Yeah. How did she get that? Well, Who gave her a police report? Uh, she, you can read police reports. They're public record. Hmm. I've read police reports. Not necessarily. Also, is there already a police report on this? Well, they think it's... Well, they must have done something. They came out to the scene, so they have to report that they were there. That's that state of... She protocol. is well-liked by I, Bennett's men. I don't men. think there are instantaneous... I don't... I'm unconvinced that all police reports are public knowledge, first. And second, I don't think it's like a blow-by-blow that you like. the public <laughs> is entitled to every individual, like a report on every individual action taken by police in real time. Maybe not. My point is, mm. I don't know how this, I'm not convinced this report would even exist at this point. <laughs> and that it does is a little confusing to me. And that she got her hand on it immediately, yeah. even stranger. Well, it's like her cameraman friend who has access to anybody's medical records. <laughs> yeah, also, if this information would be public knowledge, you wouldn't. it would be redacted. You don't go giving away all this information. Because, by the way, if there's like a killer on the loose and you report in a police report that there's a witness... <laughs> That witness is toast. So, like, <laughs> right. Tess, if there was a police report, Tess's name would not be part of it. Right. That's a good point. So. I, I will, yeah. That, that is my sense. side note about police reports. <laughs> Very good side note. This has been police report side note. <laughs> so, about when, <laughs> about police reports. No, when Duncan is trying to ferry Tess and Richie away, Tess says, I'll never be barefoot and pregnant. That's, a, like, that's an expression. Yeah, I just don't get how it applies to this Well, I guess she's like, she, wa- she doesn't want to be like a. Uh, a spectator to this like she she's wants not like a damsel she wants to be involved even she though she, to... in half these episodes she's a damsel yeah right she doesn't want to be <laughs> she doesn't want to be <laughs> <laughs> uh, but of course yeah so duncan needs to now help her which is a little like i was really hoping this could be a Tess episode where Tess. i mean it'd be great if duncan didn't believe her and he like she got to show him like wrong like it's like no i got it like i did it right yeah. Trust me for once or whatever, but no, he's got to help out. So they go back to this like wom- old woman's house. So it turns out I guess is Ann Wheeler's aunt. And Duncan actually recognizes like the flower painting on the wall. And he's like, "Oh, I remember this seeing this in Paris." And it's I thought that was a funny little joke cuz it's like, yeah. "Oh, well, yeah. you're you're far too young to have ever seen this like in the 70s or whatever." Tess has the idea like there's there's a there's a portrait they can look at. Yeah, he's like, "Oh, what about a snapshot or a picture?" And she's like, "Oh, no." And and do you, do you want to do a good impression of oh, Tess? God. Maybe she has a putrid. <laughs> putrid. <laughs> that's, that's right. She was a painter. There might be a putrid. There might be a putrid. <laughs> a putrid. <laughs> You're saying that like Jim. Is it Jimmy? Putrid. From South, South Park? Park? South yeah. Park? Yeah. Yeah. He's French. He's a French. He's a 35-year-old French woman. Putrid. Putrid. No, I mean that your impression of a 35-year-old French woman sounds like Jimmy. I think it's the other way around. Putrid. Putrid. <laughs> so there is a there is a putrit. 
and the lady brings it out, but then Duncan's like, I don't think so. And there's a big hole cut in the putrid where the man's face would be. So that doesn't help. Making this entire scene pointless. Unnecessary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, this they, is pointless. They don't even get a clue <laughs> from it. Nope. Uh, so on their way back from this house, uh, we see a mysterious figure putting together a sniper rifle over like a dirty sink. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's like, <laughs> piecing this thing together and he's it it turns out it's the chief they reveal that very quickly it's not like bed guy yep uh and he's gonna shoot tess uh but duncan luckily gets the buzz realizes what's going on and he protects tess and he gets shot like two times so (laughs) what the fuck is this guy's plan this is like the dumbest thing that ever could have been done right is at this point in the story lay it on me yeah that he tries to kill this guy because he doesn't try to kill this guy. Or, excuse me, that, that he tries to kill Tess. Because at this point, they don't know who he is. They know nothing about him. This guy has access to all the information the police has. So he knows that Tess can't put him at the scene. He already knows this information. So why on earth is he trying to kill, th- kill her? He has absolutely no reason to try to kill her. I don't know about that. Because if she ever gets like continues to be interviewed, she may see him and be like, that's the guy. And eventually in the episode, but when Anne's she... body does wash up and they do like make like cloth analysis, something, something. Then he's already, well, first off, they would have had to compare it to the chief. They would have to have had reason to do that. And by the way, if they can say, can give me your jacket, the chief can say no. Uh, so he can guide this investigation away from himself if the body ever does, in fact, wash up. And he knows whether or not he can, she can ID her because he's already got her statements. So all he's done by attempting to kill her is prove that, that what at this point... That she was a witness. That she was a witness to something. She, right. He confirms to the other police officers that she's correct. And that it's like a hyper intense thing if someone's going to try to assassinate you with a sniper rifle. Yeah. So... The, the entire plan is incredibly absurd. Like, why on earth would you do this? You were perfectly protected until this moment. Another funny thing is Richie's like, oh, why would another immortal shoot you? He'd know it wouldn't hurt. Like, he couldn't kill you. It's like, it's like yeah, well, uh, maybe it'll slow him down so he can come over and chop his head off. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, not to mention just the chance he'll get caught because obviously the police get involved and this is not exactly a private affair that he's... Yeah, they actually, they kind of bungle this a little bit like they set it up like it's a reveal here because when richie's like oh like why would an immortal shoot you and then the reveal is he's not after me he's Mm. after tess but by showing the police chief earlier they mess that up like these could have been what would have seemed to be two separate stories like we know right from the get-go because we see this dude's face that when he shows up at Duncan's studio that he's probably there for tests. Like, we know that's the guy associated with the test storyline. If we didn't know his face, we could assume that these are two separate things going on. We, we, we wouldn't know that he was there for... Like, we'd think initially, oh, he's there for Duncan because he's immortal. And it'd be like, oh, misdirect. It actually was Tess because it's the same guy. Uh, and they kind of bungle that by showing the guy's face because we're like, oh, we know that guy. Like, he's mm. the one that's after Tess. So that's kind of a misstep here, I think. Yeah. If they had just revealed his face later and kept him mysterious when duncan says he's here for tests that would have been like wait what yeah and then they get to they can then they can reveal later that it's that guy and it'd be like yeah. so they call the cops in after this shooting they cleverly conceal that duncan has been shot by claiming that all the blood is from a <laughs> nosebleed <laughs> right 
And then he's like all snarky. He's like, oh, those seatbelts, uh, they save lives. Like, Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> so they're going to take Tess to a safe house, but they're not going to tell Duncan where it is. Which seems like a good idea to me. Yeah. Yeah. But Duncan fucks it up, sort of, <laughs> by following well, them. Well, he wants to follow yeah. them, so he get, he enlists Richie to help mm-hmm. follow. Uh, so he asks Richie a really great question at this point. Oh. We'll play a clip here. Yes. <laughs> Is that bike of yours still all ass? Like Madonna's underwear. Why? <laughs> That's like amazing. Madonna's underwear. That's Why? Why? <laughs> so they're going to follow this police convoy and find out where. Uh, and then at this point, we also start to, like, we wrap up the Randy storyline with Tess, which is, like, a weird mini story arc. That yeah. Randy gives up yeah she's yeah. just like oh you're right i couldn't help you like i fucking stink like, yep. <laughs> yeah, it's so dumb it's just like yep my contract says i have to be in this episode uh yeah so she's out no need to be in the episode uh so richie's in hot pursuit but the cops spot richie and they're like we got right. somebody tailing us and they end up kind of getting the jump on him they like take him away they're like get him out of here get indiana jones here, <laughs> yeah, out of here. yeah. Uh, i'm just taking a joy ride yeah <laughs> which implies that you stole it yeah. by the way um, i i'm not aware of people taking joy rides with their own, own cars, cars. Right. Uh, well it's just a joyful ride but really. then I, th- I thought this was kind of clever like it turns out that was like a ruse like duncan knows how like richie's a screw-up and <laughs> that was a diversion yeah. So Duncan's really following as well. And now they don't suspect anyone because they think they got Richie. Uh, so Duncan's able to kind of track where they uh, they take Tess. Right. So he's kind of on a stakeout, I guess, making sure she's safe. And he sees the chief pull up to this house and he's up to no good. He plants a goddamn bomb. So this guy is like a real psycho. Yeah. Like- <laughs> Like, he's not... Well, he's going to take out everybody. Yeah, he's going to kill his loyal goons inside. His loyal goons. You mean the law-abiding police officers. (laughs) That serve C. Cooper with... (laughs) A.K.A. the loyal goons. Sorry. He's going to kill Sergeant Sergeant. Oh, I just want to say, this goes back to your earlier point. Like, this man is in the ultimate position to get rid of her, like, smoothly, if he wanted to. Because he's the fucking chief of police. But no, he's just going to explode this whole house. It just seems... Yeah, like, he keeps on making something that could be very clean and quiet, very public, loud, and messy. Right. And it's just like, rather than using his influence, he's using bombs. Yeah. I guess at this point, is the the point here that he's trying to convince people that it's a mob hit? I think so, yeah. That seems like that, because they suspect that it was an organized crime thing when the when he tries to assassinate her with the rifle right is that's like the police theory so that happens i guess so yeah duncan comes to save the day he, he spots this bomb he gets everybody out of the house and which let's pause on that for a second okay he sees the bomb sees what time it is and then gets out a stopwatch yeah well, I think he wants to just make sure he's got enough time. It's like, there's a minute 30 left on that. I'll keep make sure, like, I don't dilly-dally. But he's got yeah. a stopwatch? <laughs> I think, no, I don't think it's a stopwatch. I think it's just a watch. Like, it's, with a second hand. You that mean, he holds it in his hand and is, like, it's the a size pocket of watch. a fist? He's a classy guy. He's, oh, he does carry a pocket watch he has a pocket in an watch. earlier episode. I think he's just yeah. counting the seconds. And he's like, I, it's a watch. Seconds. And then he opens the door and he says, you have exactly under two minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which 
<laughs> would give me pause at the door too. Yeah. And then at which point he just assaults Sergeant Sergeant yeah. like yeah. hard. Like he doesn't just like push him out of the way. He hits him so hard that he he's like incapacitated. Over. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <And> he needs <laughs> help to be removed. Yep. It's like nope. whoa. Uh, but then, sure enough, he is correct. He's but, correct. The whole yeah. place explodes like crazy. And Bennett's like, oh, wow, thanks. Right. So Duncan tells Sister Sister that this is like an inside job. Right. And he's like, and like he, he's like astonished by that. But Duncan also says he has to stop this guy because it's going to happen again and again. Like, this is why Duncan needs to like confront right. the chief of police. And it's like, why do you think this isn't an isolated incident? Like, he knows nothing about... Yeah. The, like the confines of I mean like he does know that he's trying to murder Tess which is like obviously not kosher uh, for witnessing this murder but he has no idea why this murder was ever committed in the first place and he's like this guy's gonna do it over and over again well, it's I like, think eh. I, thought, I interpreted that to mean he was gonna keep trying to kill Tess oh. uh. that he wasn't gonna stop until he got her well that makes sense which there's reason to think that that's true yeah the, I would say that's said, true I think that yeah. was what that meant okay, okay. very good redacted <laughs> Don't forget the sword. So he goes and they like meet at a discreet location in front of like the Epcot ball. (laughs) What is that thing? Do we know what that is? Oh, I know what it is. It's Science World. It's cool. It is cool. That's like a like a big like Vancouver landmark. It's Science World. It's like a here in Philly we've got like the Franklin Institute. It's similar like New York, the Natural History Museum. Uh, the 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 gyro not gyrosphere. What is the, what are they called? Uh, Omniverse. Nope. Wait. Ge- Geodesic dome. Uh, okay. The Geodesic dome was built in the '86 uh, World's Fair. Huh. Gotcha. So that's that's I don't. It's it's a kind of iconic Vancouver landmark now. Looks Very like a cool. cool science museum too. Yeah. Yeah. So so he confronts Chief Andrew Ballin. Yeah, he's now. Ballin. When the challenge has been made between Duncan and the chief, they do this crazy cross dissolve where they cross dissolve between the chief's face and what is the city lights reflected. Oh, that was cool. Yeah. I don't know if I'd say cool <laughs> against like the bay. And, and then there's a pan up. And what it does, it makes it look like there's a video effect of sparkly streamers. Yeah, coming <laughs> down this guy's face. I was like, is he being beamed up? Yeah. Like, he's yeah. like energizing. Over the chief's face. Like, is he at a child's birthday party? <laughs> and like in an iMovie, like, like plug-in, like effect? It looked ridiculous. But it ends up just being this crazy side effect of this cross dissolve. With this geodesic d- dome. Yeah. Which, it, like, once they actually get to the the second shot, it's kind of cool, yeah. like, panning yeah. up from the water. Oh, yeah, see cool. it. That's a cool shot. Oh, yeah, so... Uh, but yeah. the cross dissolve effect. Yeah, it's, it's strange. It's weird. It's weird. <laughs> um, so they confront each other, and Duncan is like, why did you kill Anne? And then he uses this phrase that makes me feel uncomfortable, and this has been used many times in Highlander. She was your woman. She was your woman. They always refer to people as your... Like, it... That is unsettling to me it's and i weird. can't there's a lot of just like possessing of women in yeah, yeah. i, don't I like had it. your woman i don't like i hate her good <laughs> hate her good naked blade <laughs> and i don't like that duncan said it either yeah um so then we finally get to find out why this the the police chief like killed Anne, and it turns out that they used to be in love he broke it off because she was old or something like that's yeah. unclear and i'll get into that in a minute oh but, boy uh but that she, she was like so like enthralled with him and in love with him that if he didn't take her back, she was going to expose him and all immortals to like the public. That was like the threat. Right. And presumably she's been making this threat for like 
a while because it's, it's almost an empty thread at this point because she's yeah. been pursuing him for years. So I don't know. It does it does give me pause. It's like, well, like he didn't have no reason to kill her. Like, right? I don't know. I mean that that's a, a big risk. It's not not Duncan wouldn't have handled it that way. No, but this guy does not seem like evil. Yeah, well he tr- well he is evil though because he, well, he tries to murder. To kill Tess, he tries but... to kill Tess for no reason with his own guys inside. He's evil. All right. Like I agree that killing her is an evil, but perhaps like the stakes are high for for, him. for all the immortals in this scenario, and Duncan right. doesn't seem to know that. Right. Yeah, like I agree. If all we were assessing was him killing this girl, like there would be a moral gray area. But his subsequent responses, especially in light of the fact that they were completely unnecessary, yeah, prove that this guy is genuinely a scumbag. Yep. Two things. I guess he could have just bit the bullet and gone back with her. Like, early on, and just dealt with it, because yeah. he's got time to kill, so to speak. Right. But also, she did never struck me as old. Like, yeah. like ever. She seemed like his peer. And I was just like, why is he dumping her? Like, well, maybe they just fell up, like, grew yeah, out of love. Yeah, people just dump yeah. each other sometimes. I got the impression it was because was, she was old. I guess I'm just surprised. She didn't seem that old, and I guess I'm surprised that he, like, let her go. Uh, but I guess there's this parallel being drawn between maybe her and Tess, and is Tess worried? Like, this, this is another one of her, like, artistic parallels. Like, they have a lot in common. Like, is she worried Duncan will leave her because he's out of lo- fallen out of love? Or there, there's reasons he doesn't love her because she's gotten old, but she'll still be in love with Duncan? Like, it's they're not on equal footing, necessarily. Like, they're not, they're not on this journey of aging together. Right. I mean, that's an interesting parallel. I mean, the thing about that is, I mean, it's it could be a parallel for us, the viewer, but Tess doesn't know from the get-go that this woman's dating an immortal so no but the parallels build throughout the episode sure like they have an initial parallel and like their their love of art and it just kind of grows as you learn more about her right um because obviously they're both kind of wildly devoted to an immortal so this is a question i had duncan right before they start fighting chief bad guy says i wasn't gonna come for you yet mcleod so are we to th- so are we then to think that he knew about McLeod the entire time? Yeah. And like maybe had a plan to eventually dispatch him. The reason I ask is because he seems genuinely surprised when he s- bumps into McLeod the very first time. And right. he also doesn't have a sword, which is why they fight with that pipe. Right. Right. So if McLeod was on his radar the entire time, why did he go there unarmed? <laughs> like, he should have known he was going to bump into Duncan there. Especially at some place called, like, McLeod's Antique yeah. Store. <laughs> yeah, like, he should have been tracking this situation from the beginning. And maybe used his police connections to help him take care of it. Because, for some reason, he doesn't. Mm-hmm. Right. So they get in a big sword fight. Uh, when they start fighting, I feel like the actor playing chief bad guy is, like, flinchy and not very good. Then a stunt double definitely <laughs> takes over, and the fight gets awesome. I was going to say, I do know they had, like, it was a short shooting schedule for this. Like, they didn't have much time to shoot this fight, so that could very well be part of it. The The thing that's coolest about this scene is, like, the lighting. The, yeah. Because they're kind of in this warehouse-looking effect with the geodesic dome above them. And the, to me, it was really reminiscent of, like, the first movie, that yeah. the final fight between Connor and the Kurgan, where they're, like, with this backlit kind of blue light, and we hear it's red. Yeah. It was a pretty cool effect. No, it was yeah. cool. And it definitely conceals it. the yeah. existence of a stunt double. Right. Very cleanly. Yeah, everyone's silhouetted. And, like, there are some, those like, cool moves, like, 
it it looks like they knew what they were doing. Yeah, I, it looks I liked good. It. Yeah, I I really like when they do the wide shots, and apparently, like again, they didn't have time to film wide shots for the fight. That's why all the shots are like kind of strangely like below them, kind yeah. of sh- shooting up at the dome, so you can at least see that it's there. Uh, they didn't have time to do that. Then they took like a second unit out afterwards and just shot some wide shots. And so all you see are like sparks, which are just added effects. But mm. I think that looks awesome because yeah. it's just black. You see the the, the the city in the background and then you just see the sword sparks. I thought it was really great. So Duncan wins. Spoiler alert. <laughs> His like final stroke cutting chief bad guy's head off is like pretty awesome. Like and it's really final. Like he just does it, which we haven't really seen much of. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the end of a sentence. Yeah. He's really hits yep. it hard. It's pretty cool. But yeah, it's a cool quickening. It's cool that they incorporate the, the dome into everything. Yeah. Uh, like the lights are all exploding. And also, a uh, little behind the scenes on this, uh, all that quickening stuff was shot by the second unit. And like the stuff where they chop down, like the Duncan once again chops in half the light lamp post. Yeah, there yeah. was a lot of that. And all these lights explode. Um, a lot of that was like real practical effects, like not mm. added afterwards. Um, but there were like seven or eight cars parked along the, the roadway right there by the Science World. Uh, their their windshields all got fucked up, and oh, so wow. they had to pay to get everyone's windshields replaced. Jeez, because uh, it had like bits of glass and metal and stuff in it. Because huh. I, mean, I guess everyone on the set had like masks and suits and stuff on to protect themselves. Wow, I thought that was interesting. So let's talk about the ending of this. So that's like the end of the plot. Now we just wrap it up. Sergeant, Sergeant, Sister, Sister is like, oh, it turns out the, ch- the chief was in it the whole time. And think you know a guy. Yep. And so Tess. Jokes about, like, oh, I'll leave you first, Duncan, which is like, okay. Like, but then they just start talking about coffee. Yeah. And this is crazy. Like, it seemed, this is all ad libbed. And they're just like, yeah, you guys need to, like, kiss and talk about coffee. Yeah. And I, I should have gotten this clip. Like, they just go on and on. It's just like, do you um, want the I like coffee? coffee. Do you want I'll coffee? make the coffee. Oh, it's a, a coffee I'm missing. Oh, I love coffee. Let's make coffee. I, th- I, w- I will. I thought you were gonna make coffee. I, I love coffee. And like they're just like pecking at each other. Yeah. It's just like what and, the fuck. And then they like <laughs> go into the bedroom and he's like, "Let's make some coffee." <laughs> yeah, and she like giggles. She's like, "Duncan." It's like, is coffee a euphemism that I'm <laughs> familiar with? <laughs> it's, it's a special sea couver. Yeah, it's a sea kind c- of couver slang. <laughs> So before we move on too far from like the sergeant sister sister sergeant 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 sister sister sergeant sergeant uh so he then really unpacks like he provides an epilogue to this whole thing and is like hey we we opened his car and then we found fibers that match to uh, the girl who to Ann Wheeler, and we found a high-powered rifle in his trunk, and like forensics yeah. came back with this and this. It's like, whoa! First off, your forensic lab is fast. Yeah. If they're <laughs> getting this stuff done like the next day yeah. or whatever it is, uh, and they managed to take care of that. And it's like all this forensic work, all this looking into it. This dude was decapitated, <laughs> and then he did no none of that work. That. None of that work. <laughs> Towards figuring out who murdered the chief of police. <laughs> the chief of police. And maybe yeah. there's like some scandal that this guy was like not a good guy, but that gives you even more incentive to solve the crime. And they're just like, yeah, by the way, you were right. Let's not think at all about. Yeah. <laughs> Duncan, you about were the right. Dead guy. Now let's go back into your antique shop and look at all your swords. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. No evidence here. Yeah. <laughs> just another one of those things where it's like, we. The police thing just needs to go away because it just like hangs a lantern on the absurdity of 
like trying to include them in the story in a half measure. Yeah. So here's a question I just want kind of wanted to pose generally. This is the second time a leader of police has been an immortal villain. And Duncan seems to imply that that is a great idea for some reason. That like, oh, it must be great being a because he can be first on the scene and like there's no questions asked. Right. Yeah. I guess just generally, is this actually a good idea? Neither of the two villains have actually used this to great effect well, in I the mean, game. I The first one did. Uh, we still don't remember his name. Uh, Sheriff Bad Sheriff Guy. Bad Guy yeah. what we would call him. <laughs> but, I mean, he pinned the murder on somebody else. So that that's a way he used yeah, but it to his advantage. His plan didn't wasn't going to work absent Duncan's intervention. He had to arrange for a bunch of rednecks to lynch the guy, like, independent of his influence as a sheriff. Also, you're also an incredibly public person whose activities are going to be more scrutinized. Like the chief of police, I don't know how big Seacouver is, but like the chief of police is like a major player in city politics. And if he wants, no matter where you are, and if he wants to have a long career, I mean, you're going to be on TV news. You're going to be in the papers. I mean, after a few years, somebody's going to be like, Hey, this person (laughs) isn't getting older. (laughs) And, and you're going to have to like abandon your post and leave behind this massive paper trail. Like in an era before the internet where like, now, maybe it's not as terrible idea just because everyone leaves, like, this crazy digital footprint. And this, this is still a time where, like, if you kind of want to vanish, you really can. But if you need to reinvent yourself, but there's, like, a picture, like, front page, front and center on, yeah. like, the Steveson Times. Or, <laughs> like, <laughs> or, like, the Seacouver Inquirer. Yeah. You're, you're going to have a pretty hard time erasing your former life. Like, yeah. This is going to create problems for you, and it's going to make it really easy for other immortals to find you. Because, like, if they just happen to be passing through town and crack open a newspaper, like, you're fucked. So, I don't know. Maybe we can have a poll. Is the good idea to be a... That's a, a police, really a police chief, or what? What we should, or uh, even we, a public figure of any kind. That's a good poll, and we should also ask, like, what's the best immortal job? Ooh, yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, what is the best immortal? Job? I like antique. Antique dealer's a fun one, I think. Yeah, that's, that's, that's cool. smart. Yeah, and it's also just a clever use of the yeah. thing. It was like a nice carryover too from the from the movie. I don't know, being working anywhere with a meat grinder. Um, So I do have the Watcher Chronicle on Andrew Ballin. It says he was born in 1911 in Brooklyn and died in 1944 in World War II. Um, I just wanted to to read this Watcher Chronicle because, again, if you buy into, like, the fantasy of what these Watcher Chronicles are, these are supposed to be written by Watchers in the field. These are, like, official records. Also, unbeknownst to the, like, like, population of Earth, perhaps eventually will be the most important history ever written. Like, like the fate of mankind might be in the balance here. And the, this is the, the sort of stuff being written. <laughs> so this is the entry for uh, Andrew Ballin. He made a good cop. First in New York in the 50s as Andrew Halt, then a ge- generation later in Seacouver as Andrew Ballin. He was a damn fine detective. His problem was he just never quite figured out women. In the 1960s and 70s, he and artist Ann Wheeler were hot. Her work was the toast of Paris. They moved in all the right circles. But then Ann got old, and and Holt thought it might be time to trade her in for a newer model. He didn't count on how much Ann really loved him. Ann wasn't willing to let him go, so he had to kill her. Mistake number one. He hadn't reckoned on McLeod's woman, Tessa, seeing him (laughs) do it. Or how determined she would be to get to the truth. So he tried to kill her. Mistake number two. 
Then he tried to take on McLeod. Three strikes, and he was out. (laughs) (laughs) Who wrote this? Raymond Chandler? Like, Philip Marlowe's narrating this. This is weird. Isn't that crazy? Oh, my God. Also, so, uh, and before I mentioned something about her being old. This so must be where this I. Where, that's where you this is there, where yeah. I read it. So I mean, I don't know if this stuff is really counts as canon, if we want to include it. I mean, I don't know. I'm not sure either. It's a fine idea that yeah. an immortal, especially considering how kind of cavalier they are with women's feelings in this right. show, like that this guy would do that. Yeah. Um, but it is. I don't think it's present in the episode itself. No. But then the, the, the other thing that's astonishing is this writing style again yeah. is. McLeod's woman like this possessive thing like I don't know who actually wrote the Watcher Chronicles actually somebody out there let us know I'm curious who put these together like was it the people in the writer's room the producers I'm sure a lot of people had their hands in this but like using the term McLeod's woman just echoes all this weird possessive women woman stuff and it's also like so kind of cutesy like the the tone of all this stuff like wasn't yeah. the, the the joan jet watcher chronicle like you look a bitch in the dictionary <laughs> right. or whatever yeah and you'll find her picture and it's like strike one strike two you're out it's like <laughs> your head's chopped off like stop with the baseball analogy isn't that how baseball works yeah yeah that is right play baseball strike one two and then three and then you pull a sword out of a bat chop someone's head off yeah, and that's how the game was won. <laughs> Nick and Blade to Nick and Blade. That was Babe Ruth who said that, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At this point in the series, we've done, what, this is our 12th episode? Number 12. Number Halfway 12. through. This so is I, the midpoint. Yeah, so since it's the midpoint, I thought it would be fun to do a quick kind of quickening roundup. Mm-hmm. Quick quickening. Whoop. To see, just kind of, to kind of track Duncan's power level. To see when it gets over 9,000. Uh, so at this point, and if I'm missing, missing any, let me know. Uh, he's got Slam the Cat. He's got Sheriff Bad Guy, whose name I don't think I ever dedicated to memory. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> uh, he's got Caleb Cole, the Beastmaster. Uh, and question mark, I think that means he's got Carl as well. I, I don't, I've been wondering how that all works. Yeah. And we can discuss this a little bit later when we discuss like Endgame and stuff. But because in that movie, they really talk about these power levels, like how many people you've killed. And it hmm. would seem like it would be exponential if you get everybody that comes with that. Like, Well, that I mean, that makes sense to me just in terms of it all collapsing in on one person. Right. That like eventually it's all consolidated in one person. So if you're if you're if you know that Beastmaster killed Carl, we can count it as two. Right. So I think that's probably And of course Slan has killed other people, but we don't know what those are. Yeah, so. I'm just right. doing the confirmed. This is the bare this is, minimum. Yeah. So, we've got Alexi, uh, Comrade Stalin. That's right. Uh, he got Wall Street Walter Reinhardt. Uh, Wall Street Walter Reinhardt. <laughs> he got uh, Mad Marcus in the 1920s, <laughs> who presumably has a lot to a lot of credits to his name. He sure, because he's yeah. like a gajillion years old, and he just got Andrew Ballin. Ballin. So, by my count, now we've got eight confirmed for Duncan. Am I missing anybody? I think that sounds right. Yeah, that sounds right I to me. I'm trying to think if there's any well, other. Seven and a half, because he, 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 do we do confirm that he gets Carl or not? I'm trying to remember back now to Mountain Men, that Caleb Cole killed Carl. It's it's really implied, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, so, okay, implied. so I'm comfortable saying he's definitely got eight yeah. at this point. Yeah. Oh, and uh, we can add a ninth, uh, because he does kill Sheriff Bad Guy, who killed, killed Desiree. Desiree. Oh, right, right, right. Very good. Good call. Sweet. 
Sweet count, guys. <laughs> Quick quickening count. Oh, also, there was no fucking flashback in this episode. This is the first time there was an immortal in the episode, and they decided not to have a flashback. That's True, though this is not the first time there's been an episode with flashbacks that didn't involve the ultimate villain, right? Flashbacks in this episode? Sorry, in uh, what I meant to say is in the episode with Innocent Man, with Sheriff Bad Guy, the flashbacks involve Desiree. They right. don't involve Sheriff Bad Guy. True, so, but at least there was a flashback. In this right. one, we get nothing. No flashback. And they had an opportunity for two. Something with Duncan, something with Chief yeah. Chief. Yeah, kind of a bummer. Do you think that detracts from this episode? I think a lot of stuff detracts from this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all things considered, though, it at least moved. Yeah. There was there were some and there were some cool shots and interesting things. I was pretty entertained by yeah, this. This is another episode that had a lot of like groundwork again for stuff that just doesn't get explored more. Right. Uh, and I think as we keep watching the show, they figure that out and it's like, oh, like it's better to explore these like smaller details, like what's it like to love and lose and these sort of things and deal with the emotional content rather than just like this seems to just like push the plot along in like whatever way it's trying to do it's kind of like in a workman like yeah. way i think what really should have happened they've already done the chief of police thing with sheriff bad guy that should have just been a removed element of this thing like he should have just been an immortal because that also gives him a reason to get his hands dirty by himself like if he's just a right. non-police policeman immortal and then randy mcfarlane should have actually assisted in this in some way Right, like the police don't believe her. Duncan doesn't believe her. Randy McFarlane, maybe for self-interested reasons, because she wants to find a story, believes her, is able to provide some missing ingredient rather than just going, oh, I give up, Tess. It's, I, Randy's story's like, arc is so short, but also so sad, because it's like she confirms like what she is. And it's like it's really sad. It's like this was a chance for her to like come. like Maybe she wanted to do the story, got shot down, but is like, you know what? I'm still going to pursue it, even though the camera's not around. Like, I don't care. That would have been nice. I there was some emotional and, content there. But they just kind of are like, yeah, you're right. I couldn't do it. I blew it. So, meh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that about does it for this episode. Uh, make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher or follow us on YouTube. All those sort of, you know, we're, we're out there on the Internet. Just Google us and we're there. Uh, like us on Facebook. That's the big one uh, where you can keep up to date on all the news, interact with other Highlander fans, that sort of stuff. You can also follow us on Twitter at The Rewatchers. Follow us on Instagram at uh, Highlander Rewatched. And, of course, write us emails. Write us uh, stuff you think about this episode, insights you have. Um, and we're going to take some of the best ones and read them on air. Uh, and you can reach us at HighlanderRewatched at gmail.com. And, again, all this info is on our Facebook page. So follow us there. Also, make sure to rate us on itunes uh that really helps tell your friends about us if you know highlander fans let them know and share us uh if you know people who aren't highlander fans let them know too yeah. we'd, we'd love to help bring some more people into this cool universe yeah all right thanks so much for listening make sure to join us next week and this is we're finally getting into the second half of the first season uh which is a big shift uh from the first half and i'm really excited to get into this batch of episodes you're gonna know it's a big Big change in the series. So next episode takes place in Paris, and it's Band of Brothers. So I'm really excited for that. I've been one of your hosts, Keith. I'm Kyle. Eamon. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye-bye. Well, her her star is rising now that she's had a donut in the park. And <laughs> yeah. And, she's, and, and presumably and, maybe at the, the, the at, Metro At stadium. Municipal Stadium. Yeah. In... See no evil. Go Maybe that's what they're. Maybe that's what the title 
was about. We were asking last week what the title was about. Maybe it's uh, not seeing Tess's art because it's not going to be good. at the fucking stadium. Yeah, and it is evil. Oh, oh man, that'd be a crazy plot twist too. If like her art summons some demon from the, like a, an, another dimension, there's donut holes. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Oh boy. Just saying, Panzer Davis, write us as <laughs> write us an Islander rewatch. That'll get so we can be script consultants because we have this idea. <laughs> Does his art will summon a demon? Oh, maybe that was how. Just sorry. Don't forget the story. 